Welcome back to Real Tech Talk, episode number 34. As I said, we are going to bring you the technologies changing the real estate game. And today, we are attacking construction and development in the retail sector. And we're attacking it with a superstar. Someone that doesn't just play around starting companies. Someone who starts companies and they succeed. My man, Amal Sarva of Columbia University, Congress uh, 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 witness, freaking Stanford, Notel. Real Life Ventures, and on and on the list goes on. These aren't companies that didn't succeed. These are monsters, and he spent some time with us today. So sit down and pay attention what he, what he has to say. I know I am. That's why we're here, bro. This is real tech talk. Boom, chocolate. So who the hell are you, bro? You know, what are you into? What do you do? Yo, you can keep it real here. Tell me. Tell me about these real estate players. Eric Brody is the managing principal of CEMVC LLC. All opinions expressed by Eric and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of CEMVC LLC. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of CEMVC LLC may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Welcome back to Real Tech Talk, people. Today, we're bringing you that heat, another construction and development technology, but this time by one of the masters, one of the godfathers of technology applying it to real estate. But first, he applied it to Virgin Mobile, you may have heard of. Before that, he thought he should go to Stanford. Before that, Columbia. And then most impressive... Stuyvesant High School, please welcome Amal Sarva, my contemporary. How are you, kind sir? My goodness, wow. To think <laughs> before we were all this, we were pencil-necked geeks riding the subway. So listen, public school. the audience always wants to know a bit about your background. How did you get into technology right from the jump? And then why did that apply to real estate, what you were trying to solve? And then we'll get into exactly what your business is. Mm. I uh, I don't know. A lot of people have that whole, like, my dad bought me a computer story. But I guess, like, the thing that I consider my claim to fame is pizza. I think we made the first way to order pizza on the internet. It was a Domino's on 103rd Street and Broadway. Really? When I was in college. Yeah. And, like, they hired us. We made this thing. You would order it on your computer. It would send them a fax because they didn't actually have computers at the Domino's. But mm. you had your computer in, like, your college dorm or whatever. And uh, then you paid in cash. We did it. We invented that. What's online, <laughs> which is now Uber Eats. You should have <laughs> yeah, stuck with it. that, huh? Right. I should have used that name. We we went with dominosnyc.com. Wait, but so so just to give me the tech though. Like what was that? What was behind that? Dude, it was a website. I mean, oh, like a website, to, to right? make a website to like type in your name and what pizza you wanted was like at that time kind of complicated. And like basically you would just get, you know, the same thing as if you had made a phone call. It, it seemed dumb, but people actually did it. Of course. Uh, and yeah, so that's how I got into tech and I was like, wow, this is cool. And I made a bunch of other very, very simple things. This is like the nineties. Like, you know, there were, I was on the subway in Astoria yesterday and I saw one of these old billboards on the side. It was like internet cafe, learn internet, use internet, play yeah. internet games, have coffee. Like that was the nineties. Like you would put the word internet and stuff and it sounded like, you know, artificial intelligence or something. And so like, yeah, we, we made some websites. We got paid a lot of money. I made a CD-ROM. And I was like, this is awesome. I mean, it's great to be like good at school, but I just thought I wanted to do more tech kind of stuff. And I heard about all these famous tech people, whatever, mm -hmm. Microsoft and Apple and all that. And uh, I was trying to just get into the 
game. That's amazing. But it was in NYC. You grew up in NYC and you went to school here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm born and raised in Queens and I still live in Queens and Long Island City. It's changed a little bit over Queens the Queens light, you know? <laughs> it's changed a little bit. <laughs> but I, you know, those are the same subway line that I, I, I used to take to go to high school. And then, yeah, I was at college at Columbia in New York. So I was totally in New York. And New York was not a place to do startups at that time. There were hardly any you couldn't even like meet somebody. I, I got an internship in college working for like one of the first Fred Wilson companies backed mm -hmm. by one of like, like Union Square Ventures guys. And we were making ad banners. We made one of the first ad banners. One of the ad banners that you would see just like that, you know, are all over the internet now. One of the first animated ad banners and one of the first interactive ones where you like could play a little game in there. I was just working for some guy this amazing entrepreneur and, and venture capitalist now. And um, that kind of got me started. It really got rolling, though, when I moved to Palo Alto because I got into this grad school. I was doing a PhD at Stanford. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. like, sounds really amazing. But part of the reason why I went was just to be able to be in, be in Palo Alto and be kind of around. And, the and when was that, though? Was that, it? So that was 1998. The internet was a very big deal. We were about to have like the absolute peak of the whole bubble thing. And I was like, oh, I want to go be there. I want to like be in a startup. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll just like, my cover story will be I'm in grad school and no one will complain. My parents will be cool with it. And maybe something will happen. I'll just like walk down the street and I'll meet someone. And it took a little time, but then it happened. Yeah, like I got involved in a couple things and then I got involved in like the real one. We started this company, Virgin Mobile, became a giant mobile phone company. So how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> How'd you meet, what's his name, uh, Richard? Uh, Richard came by. Richard Richard. Like, <laughs> Richard, Sir, Sir Richard. Uh, Richard was hardly involved. It's amazing. He has this amazing team of people, though, who are, like, really, really, like, sharp and buttoned up and have all these strategies, and they look for entrepreneurs who are working on stuff. And there was this dude I got introduced by, a, you know, a classmate friend from college who was just like, oh, yeah, you should meet this guy. I kind of know him. And he was in San Francisco. He had just moved back from London. He had become friends with some of the Virgin people. He wanted to start a mobile phone company, but he wasn't technical. He, he didn't know anything about really internet or are you the technical party or are you at the that business? point yeah no i mean at that point i was like the technical person i had made the pizza website you know that <laughs> like, was you you <laughs> learned coding i did you yeah. took it upon yourself at that time yeah yeah uh -huh. yeah and then like over time of course i've become a more businessy person but like yeah at that time he was like hey if we make a ver like a phone and virgin invests and it's going to be like a new mobile phone like is there some way to make it more virgin-y like can there be like music on it like what yeah. can we do and I was like, hmm, yeah, let me, like, check into that. Let's, oh, yeah, we can probably put, like, tiny little websites on the phone. It'll be awesome. Like, you'll open the phone, and there'll be, like, a homepage. And the homepage will be like, oh, listen to music, download a ringtone. Or <laughs> we had this app that I came up with that I'm very proud of, and I can now say it with some humility, which was it, basically you called a phone number, and it would play you songs on the phone, like, as a phone call. I mean, mm -hmm. it sounds insane, at, like, now, right? Yeah, of but, course. But, like, at that moment, I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's, like, on-demand music, and you put it on your Bluetooth headphones or whatever, like... They didn't have Bluetooth yet, did uh, they? wired headphones. We're about to turn into <laughs> those, like, super silly Bluetooth headphones. I mean, Bluetooth used to be the dumbest thing in the universe. It's actually in the real estate... It, your annoying contractor with this giant Bluetooth thing yeah. over his ear. Yeah, those are the only people. Yeah, that would well, they use had it. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> Wait, so now you came? Was that back? You came back to the city for Virgin, or stayed out on the West Coast? Well, we started the company there, and as it started to get big, I came back to New York, and uh, then it like was getting really quite big, and we opened an office in New Jersey, and that was when I left. I was like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. It's become a, a big sort of thing, and then I was like, all right, New York entrepreneurship. I'm going to start my next company here. And which one was that? 
Well, I did a bunch of stuff before I got, I got on your real estate radar. I mean, then that's I right. Did a I mean, tons. Phone. When I when I found out about you, I was like, I can't believe I haven't met this guy. And then when I found out, you know, you knew my friends from Stuyvesant, I was like, I mean, what what where, where was I? I was what, like, well, separate whatever that movie is where you miss them on the train. We well, I mean, no one would have remembered me. I was like, you know, a very nerdy high school kid, and. Um, well, I mean, the next thing I did at that point, I was like, okay, great. We just like made an awesome mobile phone company and it's kind of famous and a lot of people are inspired by it. Um, I should do something else in mobile phones and probably the next big thing is going to be smartphones. So I'll make a smartphone. So we made a smartphone in 2007, 2008. The company was called Peak. It, we, like we launched this thing. And now I just want the audience to know, you launched it in 07, 08. You also went in front of the federal government to talk about it, no? <laughs> the federal like, we're not talking to somebody who's like, yeah, this phone company is like, no, and the government knew and had you come speak to them. Yeah, it's slightly, a couple of different threads are getting intermingled, but yeah, that was <laughs> Well, that's what you get in a half an hour, that, you but know? That was like a super big highlight. Like, yes, I testified in front of the Senate on stuff about mobile phones and wireless and whatever. It wasn't necessarily like me pitching my company, but the baby school, raised the from it, you know? <laughs> it did help, yeah. And we raised a bunch of money from like really great venture firms and we launched this gadget, which was an ultra simple, very beautiful. It was like on the cover of all the design magazines. Mm -hmm. It was the number one gadget in time and in Wired. And it was at Target and at Radio Shack, if you remember that story. It was like in stores all across no, the I country. No, I remember. What was the one in uh, Pier 17 that you'd go to? Uh, <laughs> that had all the, like the future stuff in it. Oh my lord! Yeah, we even sold in Brookstone. Brookstone, there name. she is. Yeah, like when you're buying the massage yes. device, and your your phone would be there. Yeah, we sold. Yeah, and it was it was basically a fifty dollars smartphone, a little bit ahead of its time, I think, because we were focusing on making it so simple and so cheap at that time. There, there was there was the same year like iPhone came out, and you know the iPhone was six or seven hundred dollars, and they sold a million of them in the first year. One million. They probably sell that many every. 12 hours now mm -hmm. or every six hours. But at that time, and we thought, oh, well, let's make this thing. And it, it, it honestly was very successful as a consumer device. It was incredibly famous. We sold a bunch of them. It pales in comparison, though, to what Android and the ultra inexpensive Google yep. devices and stuff did. So when we got bought in 2012, it was kind of a surprise, kind of a relief. It had been a, like a, a tricky thing to navigate. Also, the crisis, like we launched September 12th, 2008. That was nasty. Yeah. It was hard for startups. Like you often think about mortgages and real estate, but like, it, and finance, but like, it was really hard for startups that period, 2008. So we were acquired by SoftBank in 2012. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God this happened. SoftBank was not as big a deal as they are now. No. Mm -hmm. uh, but they bought the thing and they rolled out all these apps on our platform all around the world. Like hundreds of millions of users uh, have, have been using our stuff over the years. And then uh, 2012, yeah. So that was like. So how did the you then chapter. even begin? I Obviously, serial entrepreneur. Uh, mm -hmm. Nothing holds you back from executing on an idea, not over and over. How did you then see that real estate was your next frontier? And then it was also your 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 first experiment to it was extreme was huge, right? And then it came to I want to know how you're thinking about it today, where you're now melding them. So well, how did you? Okay, what was so the first pivot to real estate? You know, it may, so the like the mobile phones and the smartphones thing sort of seems seems rational, like a kind of linear process. But I didn't get into it through a linear process. I got into it by just like moving west and like being open to find something new. And around 2012, I'm at, at a moment like that again where I'm like, all right, I'm not going to do another mobile phone or smartphone or whatever. Let me simply open my mind to what is possible, make a list of things that I think are cool, just kind of mess around with them a little bit and see what happens. And a bunch of interesting stuff started happening. I had been building this building in Long Island City that was one of my like side projects during 2008, 2012, during that period we finished building it. 
apartment building. I mean, I had never built anything of any significance. It was kind of a pain. It was really hard, especially to do it as a side project. And so I built this like 20,000 square foot building. By the way, I think that, that's funny. <laughs> Others will work their lifetime to take the initiative or the risk to develop an asset. And you're, you don't look at life that way. You're looking at it. What is going to be open to the universe? And I will then operate as to what it brings in. And you're like, Turns out there's a side project, 20,000 square foot development. Why not? Why not? Let me tell you a million fucking reasons why not. But oh. you didn't see it that way. Well, I mean, it almost took my my life from me. I mean, it was very, very, very hard to do. And, and you know, we went staggering across the finish line on that thing. And I, I was- I always like, say right. we choke everyone across the finish line, but staggering across <laughs> is good too. It was tough. And so, but then, yeah, okay, open-minded and try a few things. And at that point, I have a significant like track record of startups. Yep. So having started- uh, those things, the mobile phone stuff, I started a bunch of new ones. And that period from 2012 for like four or five years, like I was messing around with a few things and a bunch of them were doing well. And they're quite varied. I mean, enterprise software and neuroscience and a whole bunch of other experiments. And in 2015, at the end of 2015, I noticed that, um, well, I noticed co-working. It was around. Everyone had always done co-working. Even at Virgin, like when we were doing Virgin Mobile in like 99, 2000, we shared our office with other people. Some of them were random startups. Of it wasn't even our office. Like we were kind of subletting it from some other company yeah, that was yeah. like cutting. It's like always been true in tech that you just sort of share because you're always in flux. So or to looking to share ideas or be around motivated people and to and and more. I find it to be not exclusive. When you look at real estate, everyone's like, "I'm doing cool shit. I got the money. Stay away." Technologists are very inclusive. If you know about what I'm doing, does not mean it's to my detriment. It's a totally different attitude. It's often additive, yeah, and like that creative spark comes, and and it was really inspiring for me to be around other entrepreneurs. So I was I was always sharing my office with people. It was on 17th Street, and we had all these wait people just around. Full stop. It is super inspiring. I have a whole podcast being able to meet with people like you. It's the shit. How could you not want to be inspired by others? You know? So I agree. Yeah. And then you get like practical ideas out of it. So yep. it's 2015 and somebody walks in my office and they're like, uh, we work and co-working five billion, whatever. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's interesting. Hmm. What are they doing? So I just like go and walk around and I look at the actual stuff that they had been executing because there's a lot of co-working around the city. There was General Assembly. Yeah, there was, was Regis, right? Like Regis, whatever. For, yeah. yeah, it had been around. Yeah, and then but around town there were a bunch of like younger companies slash like entrepreneur dudes that were like running spaces. General Assembly, New York City. There was a long list of these kind of places. Yep. Then there was a guy who like co coined the term co-working. This guy Tony Basilugo from he's just like a downtown New York person, and. Um, I go visit those, I go visit the WeWork, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, there's like two or three weeks, and I'm like, hmm, there's something wrong with this. Like, nobody who's in these spaces is willing to say that they work here. They're all just like kind of hanging out here right now. Like, yeah, yeah, why, yeah, yeah, why, no one's proud. What real company is like gonna ever be built here? So I'm like, okay, but you know what? The people back on at, at 17th Street in our building, like, they, this is their spot. Like, they yeah. say, this is where we work, this is our company. And so that was the idea behind Notel. And then- Wait, uh, wait, just full pause. No tell. What was that? How many square feet were you at, at a time? What was the when it was the largest? How big was No Tell? So from that like head scratching inspiration moment at the end of 2015 to like the end of 2020, like peak COVID, we reached 400 million in revenue, five million square feet, 27 cities and 10 countries. The staff is like a thousand people scattered all around the world. I just find it to be just incredible 
how we can, in a cavalier fashion, I get to chill with you all the time. You're my homeboy, and we get to discuss it. And you were, this is not the first time, the second, it's like the fifth time you were able to do it, right? It's like the Midas touch. And I'm at, look, at the end of the day, you guys can look it up and, and look at that, but it's more about what you can create, right? Then you need a little luck and, you know, you don't need COVID and the rest of it. But like, that's really fascinating because you were the largest competitor to WeWork at the time. You were number two. We were the two. global number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really big. I mean, it's crazy how it got so big. COVID, of course, was super, super challenging and, I mean, I, I think I, I escaped and we escaped with our lives. We sell the company to Newmark, which is this giant brokerage at peak COVID. I wish it had all been different. Like, it's all good. Before, do it later. But like, holy cow, we like the, the experience of having built a company of that scale. And that is the biggest one that I ran. Like at Virgin Mobile, I was kind of like the schmuck deputy to this other guy. And the company goes on to do amazing things. You know, I think I had a hand in, in, in what we created, but for Notel, like the whole way I'm there for it. And so, yeah, it was an, an So now, experience. now you, you have real estate, true real estate experience, domain expertise on fumbling around with 20,000. You have massive uh, uh, venture and, and business acumen. So now you're, you get to look again. You get to look again at the universe and mm. say, and I just think it's really important to us to pay attention, that then became what you're dealing with now, which I'd love for you to explain the company that you're here now discussing and what's it called. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, the, the, the enormous privilege of, uh, let's say, COVID, like in the silver linings world, for those that had their whole world changed by it. Oh well, yeah, I know, I know a couple of those maybe, guys. Maybe the, maybe the silver lining is you get a new world. Yep. And like the, the kind of cool thing about it is it's a clean sheet of paper, there are no boundaries, you can just, go and that is what I started doing in you know basically the last two years I just started thinking about all right well what do I know about what do I like what's interesting what's changing where are some opportunities what's important like where should I just get get into it and some of the themes that 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 emerged for me first of all now after having built a ton of companies I'm like all right I should help other people build companies I should not just go into a little hole and construct something I think a lot of the experience I have will be helping other entrepreneurs, whether they are technology people, science people, or just real estate people. And actually, the heart of this company, Aikido, because I started a bunch of experiments, started building a few things, built a venture capital firm, and have been backing some 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 wonderful entrepreneurs. So like a studio almost. Yeah, yeah. Because you are involved in these entities. You're not like you're just incubating them. You are involved. I, I mean, it's, it, we're trying to help companies like be great, you know. And Which uh, is, I also, I think, you know, just for everyone listening, it's like, what a different philosophy. It's not a singular company. It was how can we create a studio where I can assist a few and one that came out of it is Aikido, right? Yeah. So Aikido is one of these companies that um, I've been spending lots of time on over the last couple of years and is now like a company. And, and what, what is Aikido? What is it, what is like it doing? PowerPoint. But my idea on Aikido with my partners was, uh, wow, okay, Notel, huge experience, amazing industry, real estate, colossal. It's like so much revenue, so many problems climate is one of them there's all this friction people lose money all the time like what can we do like is there a spot well what do we know and what we so knew? you're identifying that real estate is fragmented <laughs> not very efficient constant friction points and yet still doing really well and chugging along right seems to be like needs it's, to be disrupted somehow it, right yeah. or or helped yeah. you know or, or helped there's, assisted there's opportunity yeah there's just opportunity in in real estate and and it's not over yet like i don't want to do an ad tech company advertising yeah but yeah. like real estate is still kind of early in the whole prop tech 
universe. A lot of the innovations and the big ideas from four or five years ago, they just disappeared because of COVID and people are going to have to rebuild them and reinvent them and, and all that. And so here's the thing. So what do we know? What do I know? What can I actually be helpful with? Well, we opened 500 locations in a short time with Notel. And that was a pain. And one of the real heartaches of that was we were, our business was about a certain kind of experience for companies and enterprises. Like you're Amazon, you're opening all over the place, your AWS department is on fire. You need to put 100 people in Toronto and in Sao Paulo and in Johannesburg like tomorrow. Are you going to get on a plane, fly around, walk around with broke? No. So the Notel value proposition was if you are an enterprise and you need to be anywhere, everywhere, move around, expand, shrink, whatever, we will just make that happen for you. You don't need hundreds of people on your internal real estate operations team to manage. Notel is that thing for you. It's all turnkey. It's all done. Wait, well, can I, I just want to say two things that you said that are really, really like super relevant. So one is, you know, experience. You cared about the experience of the office. We care about the experience of the person occupying the hotel or the residential. Even putting that first is pretty wild and innovative. That is not how we were thinking about real estate. The second thing you're saying is if you're a large company expanding, you're right, that team becomes internal. Architects, engineers, you need contractors, subcontractors, expediters, filing it to get it opened up wherever you were. So if you're a company that's expanding and doing really well, you had to have these massive real estate teams and you were like, no, we're gonna do that for you. So yeah. that's two pretty interesting things that you said that I think are super relevant. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I could like wax philosophical about like the, the reversal that's needed in real estate for quite some time because real estate has always been about, oh, get the financing, get the land. hundred Nothing deal. to do with yeah. that. You can add alpha based on the experience of that consumer, whoever it is, res, it doesn't matter. that you If you actually cared about how they experience the space, maybe you can have a higher return. Mm -hmm. Creating an operating platform, an experience first, product first, customer centric Sort of operation. So yeah, Notel was doing that in office. All right, fine. So that's Notel. But office, and that was Notel. That's the pet. Well, hmm. That actually is kind of what everyone's doing in commercial all day long. If you're doing short-term rentals or you're opening the next generation yep. of gyms, also known as like wellness spas yeah, or storefront reinventing F&B yes, or what's yes. going on with retail? Will retail be retail or will it be this other thing? What about membership clubs? All of a sudden, New York is turning into London and there's like membership clubs yeah. all over the place. Soho, like, so zero bond. So you are bond. reinventing the city that you live in. You're reinventing the world that we live in. You're creating healthier food, better experiences, whatever. Do you want to do real estate development as well? Is that a thing you want to do? Notel was like 60, 70% real estate operations people when what we were trying to do was like change an aspect of the office experience and, and how enterprises handled it. So you're like awesome sandwich shop where you are just kicking ass in Brooklyn and it's going to have 10 locations if you play your cards right around New York City. Financing it, building out the landmines, uh, the landmine. So you got to put together a cast of people. Yeah, design. we say it all the time. It's a complex business. It's not complicated. There is very difficult for you to now streamline that process. And you all of a sudden love sandwiches, but now you're a builder, like you said. Right. So that is the persona. And I think that persona is an entrepreneur. And those folks are just everywhere. And, you know, they might be buying franchises, inventing franchises, just pursuing their personal passion, their dream of what's coming in the future. And those folks, folks, they did not, like, start with the dream of becoming a builder. That, that is not what they want to do. So Aikido, answer is Aikido. We'll just turnkey that build out for you. Find the spot you want to be in, and Akito will turnkey it for you. You type in the address, and you just say what you kind of have in mind, and we will immediately generate for you the project plan, the timeline, the budget, an RFP. And it'll be kind of basic because we don't know that much about you. All you said is, I want to do like a coffee shop in Brooklyn. But like once you tell us a little bit more, 
our templates and our technology and even our real human beings inside the platform will make sure that your stuff is not missing things, that it actually seems professional and that like quality builders are going to want to look at it, designers are going to look at it, they'll bid on it, and you'll be able to run a competitive process. You'll be able to make sure you're not missing some of the key folks. I mean, large operations have entire people dedicated, full-time job, owners, rep people that run all this. And you don't like so you've got Aikido, one, two, three locations. Like you, you need us. So Aikido is how do we get the dream makers who are really successful operators to execute that dream with a credible workflow? You know, cost perspective, sort of playing zone defense. That if you want to do this, we can tell you exactly that process, that timeline, so you can get comfort that it may not be perfect, but at least you're not going to miss anything. Do it, yeah, and do it on the platform. Like, open your phone or your laptop, and it's just like all there in one place, like you expect it to be in so many other realms of your work. Like, if you're working a creative agency or something to do the brand for your store or whatever, like, you just like open a screen and it's like there, and you can put in the comments and edit. And like, somehow the builder wants you to like show up somewhere at eight thirty in the morning and walk around and like write things on the back of a cardboard with a sharpie. Like, that's literally the process that many people still use. Of course, that should not be what you are doing as the owner who's trying to like run your business, whatever that business is. So Aikido lets you do it digitally, but it also gives you a lot of intelligence and knowledge in the platform so that we shortcut you forward. You will put together your cast, whether they're the designers or the contractors, the expediters, you will manage them so you see what's up, what's the progress, see the milestones, make the payments. It's all on platform so the record is there. There's none of this, wait, I thought you said whatever, like I don't think this is done or there's a picture of the bar and the damage that you noticed when you did the inspection, and that picture is still there on the platform when you come back and they're so asking for money. So you're trying to reduce what the friction that you saw, mm -hmm. right? It's not perfection, mm -hmm. but it's definitely reducing that and giving you the ability to execute your dream in building out these retail spaces with someone that you feel not only you're aggregating data, has the expertise, and is telling you straight from day one what this is going to take, which is huge because the human mind kind of needs to understand that process right from the get-go, that it's not going to be easy. Do you think you would have done the 20,000 square foot if you knew what you were headed into? No, I, I, yeah, no, I wouldn't have done it. Which is huge, yeah. right? So and the landmines, it's like a way to think about it is just like I had no idea how many different ways <laughs> I'd get killed. And if I had just... And everyone lies Partnered to with a good developer, you know? No one, yeah, that, that clown we didn't know each took, other me to, took me to the cleaners. <laughs> you'd, you'd be living in that building now. I'd be on the street. <laughs> The, um, but so, yeah, so that's the pitch to the customer of Aikido. And, you know, the intelligence that's in that platform will help, help you get it done faster and better and cheaper and whatever. Honestly, cheaper. It will save you much. It, it'll save you a lot because you'll get bids from credible people that are, are well-informed. And it's not just save you money in the long run like landmine type stuff. You just get better contractors. You don't have to just ask people at a dinner party, whatever. So that's the pitch. And um, you, you, as an entrepreneur who's building, that's one audience. But the other way to think about it is like you might be curious, okay, well, what's the business? What kind of business is this? Is this that's what I was going to ask you. How are you making business? money? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, this is a kind of business in tech land that for consumers, people built a bunch over the years. These things that like help you find a service provider. So over the last 15 years or so, especially in residential, you know, you need to do some repairs. You go on like Thumbtack or Home Advisor or Angie's List or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like a transactional that they come by one time, you do something. There are some that are a little bit more long duration. These are marketplace businesses basically that help you find a service provider. And then there's some that are longer duration, like you're finding a tutor or you're finding like a, a babysitter or something. So that has happened in consumer. Over in B2B, it is a fairly new idea that you would find like your million dollar contractor online. People 
Right, it's up to like 200,000 maybe online, (laughs) or even less, like you're saying. If it's 50 bucks, now we're up to maybe a million dollars. Right, so in Resi, like you want to redo your bathroom. There's a couple of wonderful companies. One of them uh, is run by a great friend of of mine named Coda. It's called A Block Renovation. You know, oh, bathroom, uh, uh, get it done so much faster, quite efficient. In, in in commercial, I want to do a bakery, like, mm, you're still going to be, like, asking for referrals. And you still, your, your max tech is Excel and referrals, right? Yeah. And maybe pen and paper. So I hear so you. So bringing that into the modern age, it's time. And it's going to be it's going to be good for all parties. So you heard the pitch for the customer. But for the, the vendor community, how much time is a contractor spending hustling business? Like, so much of the or, or how about day. educating, like, that they're not trying to screw – like, the, so much time, right? And if you're actually vetted that c- consumer for that builder and he's like, all right, I'm in, mm-hmm. it'd be huge for their businesses Yeah, and it's like well. a curated bid process. You're not just, like, blindly buying leads on HomeAdvisor hoping yeah. that, that this person eventually is going to be a real customer. And so, like, you got a really professionally well-done RFP. You look at it. You're like, okay, here's my number. Win, lose, and then we go. Uh, I think it'll be very productive for the the entire category. And then, yeah, is it a business? Yeah, we make some we make some commission on the the value of the transactions. That, that reminded me of Wolf of Wall Street commissions, Commission. man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so tell me, where do you stand today? Like, where is the business? We've done the first few projects. They're chunky, big, like multi hundred thousand dollar projects, and we've done them on the digital platform. So we've like artisanally been trying to like build. Because people are like, well, that'll be too hard. It's too complicated. How can you possibly do it? So we had to build this platform and start doing actual real projects on the platform from the beginning all the way through the final closeout. And now that we're doing that, so you had product product market fit. I would say it's no, no, no. I would say it's very, it's still very early in that process. But there are a couple things that are very clear on the customer side. There are so many businesses that would like to conduct their business online in this way, easily find the vendors. So the demand side is like so clear. That was a big question in the beginning, like, oh, where do we go with the segment? But these chains... Right, because you worry that the consumer's like, nah, I got the real estate piece, right? We got this handled. We're the best. And you're like, mm-hmm. actually, even the big companies you're dealing with don't. Yeah. Or don't, or have had enough experience, they don't want to. There is a lot of demand to move this thing online. And when you look at all the dead bodies, though, in startup land, like, there isn't any competition. Like, nobody's doing what we are doing. There are people who kind of thought about it 10 years ago, and they ended up doing a lot of bathrooms in the suburbs. So, like, who's doing these, like, million-dollar restaurant launches? Nobody is. And we want to do them. And so I was I was wondering if we anybody would care. But so, like, yeah, people care. So there's, there is a significant amount of demand. The other thing that's interesting is that it kind of works. Like, we, we've been able to make it minimal enough that you're not, like, on a website being like, oh, please move this light three inches. Like, we're not doing that. We're not doing collaborative design architecture. But managing the process of the sign-offs and the money and the contracts, and, like, that actually works. And on-platform, that's good. Great. So we have a product that actually makes some sense. And we've uncovered a couple of other cool things. Like, now that we know a lot about the customer in this process, we know enough to lend them money. There's this really cool other like payments aspect of the thing where, I don't know, maybe we lend you some money to get the project done. And then you have control, meaning you lend, but you're also in control of that requisition process Mm -hmm. to completion. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So there's this embedded finance aspect in the business, which is really cool. And then finally, the other big discovery, which is a really big part of traction, is that the vendor community wants to do business on this platform. They want to get jobs. Of course. People, <laughs> it wasn't obvious to like the typical tech person. We, we started out talking to folks and they were like, eh, I don't know. Uh. Well, so what's your ask today? Where do you stand? Did you raise? Are you raising? What's your, what, what would, if you wanted the audience to know where you're at, 
We did, so for the company, we did, uh, I guess, like a pre-seed financing. It was kind of chunky. It was around $4 million, and it was led by some really good investors, North Zone. The team is developing well. I would love to hear from people that want to be part of this, like, mission with the company, because I think transforming this category, and you have a unique audience, people listening to this thing, I think, want to be part of transforming prop tech 2.0, 3.0, whatever. What and is it? It's probably 3.0, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> 2.0 just got fucking <laughs> destroyed, year. right? Yeah. So, be so part your of timing next, couldn't be better. The next mission, yeah, we're rebuilding, right? We're rebuilding the world. And if you want to be part of rebuilding that world, and this time sustainably, too, like, one of my big regrets in the hotel world is, like, we're a tenant. We go into all these spaces. We're touching all these buildings, and we're not moving the needle at all on like energy utilization, et cetera. Well, this time we get to do that. Make it very clear with every one of the customers that's coming through. What are they doing or not doing? Options, choices, choices. And not making it more expensive. You're just making mm-hmm. it like these are just better materials that are more it sustainable. Saves you money on the opex in the long run. It pays for itself. We could even finance the the stuff you put in. Like we lend you the money and take it from the savings over time because you put in UHVAC. Anyhow, there it's people who want to be part of that that journey with us. Customers who want to be part of that. Uh, and just make their lives easier. That's the ask. And uh, awesome. coming to a coming to a city near you. I mean, for now, we've been doing our best to just kick ass in New York, and we will spread across the U.S. I think in the coming year or two. Well, amazing. I appreciate you coming on, man. And for you, I, if I'm anyone out there, you better pay attention to whatever this man is touching. And uh, thanks you for coming through and spending some time with me. Always a pleasure. Peace. That's what I'm talking about. That's that heat. That's that real tech talk. We are bringing you the companies changing the game as we always say. Now, he started a company called Aikido. Aikido is attacking a part of the business that is the biggest pain to many. Imagine you're an entrepreneur. All you do is know how to run that business as an operator, and it's hugely successful. In order to expand, you have to become a real estate developer and builder. That is another business. If you want to stick to what you know, you need assistance in that sector. And he's using technology to make it work. Better workflows. Being able to watch that so that when you want to expand, you exist exactly know how long it's taking and where did he get that experience from a massive company who was attempting to do the same thing and operate if it was me i'd pay attention to this company because not only does he have the midas touch he's attacking something that we know there's a need all right peeps pleasure serving you once again number 34 on a plate